0: Welcome back to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, and on today's pod, were you surprised to see Luke Weaver is not going to be in the starting rotation? So was I, we'll talk about that, Massive Bumgarner's opening day, we're going to talk about some injuries with the D-backs, and maybe a little Merrill Kelly extension as well, so I got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today, so let's jump right into it. Welcome into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.markportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. As I mentioned in the opener, we're going to be discussing Luke Weaver. We're going to be discussing some injuries, Merrill Kelly's extension, and we're also talking to Lockdown MLB host Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. About the state of the NLS. I know we had the NLS roundtable on yesterday, but I think we're going to get into more minutia today with Paul. Uh, not with Paul, with Sully of Lockdown MLB. So stick around for that. But I first want to talk, I think we should start with the Luke Weaver news because I was, I mean, I did see rumblings about this a few days ago, a couple weeks ago on Twitter that maybe Luke Weaver wasn't going to be one of the starters in the rotation, but I did not believe that was going to happen. I didn't think there was a world, a reality where we exist as D-backs fans and Luke Weaver is not in the rotation, especially when you consider the D-backs options for the rotation. I was like, who is better than Luke Weaver to make the starting rotation? Well, apparently the D-backs and Toy Lavello in the front office found someone better than Luke Weaver to put in the rotation, and his name is Caleb Smith. We've already seen this story. We've already read the book. We've already watched the movie. Caleb Smith, as a starter, does not work. Do not understand why the D-backs are going with Camp Smith. If you want to take Luke Weaver out because you don't think he's good enough to be in the rotation, that's one thing. I can wrap my head around that idea because Luke Weaver has struggled the last couple of years. Basically, every year since 2019, Luke Weaver has been working backwards. Torrey Lavello has said one of the reasons Luke Weaver won't be in the starting, you know, in the opening series rotation is because of that velocity. He says he likes his velocity early in these spring training games, but he says as we move later into the innings, after every inning, after the first inning, it seems like Luke Weaver's velocity starts to drop. So Toy Lovello thought the best way to keep Luke Weaver fresh is to move him out the bullpen, use him in roles where he can just fully unleash all the gas he has in the tank and he doesn't have to worry about saving his hardest stuff his strongest stuff for later in the ball game he can just you know unload the tank and throw as hard as he wants as a bullpen reliever guy but I'm okay with that. I'm okay if you want to use Luke Weaver as a bullpen guy. If you feel like maybe there's other young guys in this rotation that you feel like are deserving of a spot in this rotation, like if it was Corbin Martin or Humberto Castellanos or or uh, Taylor Widener from last season or Tyler Gilbert, who threw the no-hitter. I would not have been surprised if the D-backs with, went with any of those options over Luke Weaver because I could have at least rationalized it. I could at least said those guys are young. They maybe got some potential or a ceiling to them that... We haven't really seen from Luke Weaver, and maybe it's time to move on from Luke Weaver. I could have wrapped my head around that rationale and reasoning, but to move on from Luke Weaver in this rotation, and the concerns can be valid with the velocity, but to move on from him and replace him in the rotation with Caleb Smith, it doesn't make any sense. I don't mind Caleb Smith as a pitcher, I'm not a huge fan of him, but as a reliever, He's very good. He's a very good middle long reliever for the D-backs. 2.7 ERA as a reliever just last season. But guess what? When Caleb Smith is in as a starter... Caleb Smith is not good. Six nine five ERA as a starter. It does not make any sense. We know what Caleb Smith does as a starter, and it's not good. He's not productive. This should have gone to one of the young guys like Corbin Marin or Castellanos or any of the dudes who I mentioned before. It doesn't make sense to go with a Caleb Smith. I know Luke Weaver hasn't been a great starter. If you look at his numbers um, the first time through the order, He allows a 194 average and a 655 OPS the first time through the order. So the numbers suggest he should be a good bullpen guy because those numbers get worse the more times he has to face a batter through the order. That second time through the order especially, batters bat like 800 OPS against Luke Weaver, some crazy number. But that first time through the order, Luke Weaver does a really good job and Luke Weaver is still young enough, and he's got the stuff and the potential that everyone talks about where maybe he could be an elite setup man, maybe the closer of the future for the D-backs. I don't know exactly what's in store with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Weaver ended up actually being a dynamite reliever for the D-backs because they still need more of those. The D-backs don't have a lot of relievers who can throw hard, and if Luke Weaver, if his velocity is sitting in the mid-90s between 93 and 94 when he's a reliever, that will be very good for the D-backs because Ian Kennedy is back there, Mark. Melanson's back there. They don't really throw hard. Luke Weaver could be that dude that throws hard, and you could have a really solid 7th, 8th, 9th inning going with Weaver, Kennedy, and Mark Melanson. So I would be very interested to see how that works out. I don't mind Luke Weaver in the bullpen. I just hate seeing Caleb Smith in the starting rotation because it's not even like Luke Weaver is our worst rotation starter we're still going out there with madison bumgarner like freaking madison bumgarner is starting opening day that's why i don't really understand taking luke weaver out the rotation i understand the rationale i understand the reasoning but when you still have someone in the rotation worse than Luke Weaver. I don't think Luke Weaver should have been the first option to be yanked from the rotation. And I get it. Madison Bumgarner is getting paid like a quarter of the payroll this season. He's owed a lot of money. He's owed like 60 million over the last three years. But if you're saying, hey, Luke Weaver, we have to move you to the bullpen because it's the best choice for our team. It's the best choice that helps us win ball games in 2022. Well, the same is for Madison Bumgarner. He should not be starting opening day. We've seen this story like Caleb Smith. We've watched this movie the last two years, Madison Bumgarner is washed. At least Luke Weaver still young and I can still convince myself and lie to myself. There's still upside there with Luke Weaver. Even if I haven't seen it in three years, I can still convince myself and lie to myself that there's still an upside and untapped potential within Luke Weaver. For Madison Bumgarner, his potential is just tapped. There's no more talent left in him. He can have a nice three, four, five start streak where he looks really good. It looks like the old Madison Bumgarner, or should I say the Madison Bumgarner of old, but now he just looks like an old Madison Bumgarner. Maybe Brent Strom can revive his career a little bit, revitalize it a little bit, but do I think Brent Strom is all of a sudden going to turn Madison Bumgarner back into an all-star? I don't think so. I had more faith in Brenshaw maybe turning Luke Weaver back into the guy we saw in 2019 with a sub 3 ERA where he was able to strike out guys, had a multiple, had multiple pitches in his arsenal, but it looks like we're just going to see all the good stuff from Luke Weaver at just a reliever, a back-end reliever. And for Madison Bumgarner, it looks like another year where he's going to be starting opening day for the D-backs, and the D-backs are going to start the year probably losing, what, 6-2, to 6-3, to three, something like that. But hey, if Madison Bumgarner goes out there and has a fantastic first start, then we know this season's going to be great because we know Brent Strom is the real deal, and he was able to turn Madison Bumgarner into a legit starting pitcher again. Brent Stroud might be in the in consideration for MVP, depending on how this season goes. So I'm very curious to see how opening day goes, because I want to see what Madison Bumgarner looks like. And I want to see if we get that first taste of Luke Weaver coming out the bullpen. So there's a whole bunch of storylines and narratives for the bax fans to watch on opening day, which I think is going to be a blast. But one thing that's not a blast is injury. So who is expected to not be there for opening day and who might replace them? That's what I want to talk to you guys about. But first... All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. And I want to talk to you guys about some injuries the D-backs are dealing with. We talked about Nick Ahmed, I think, on a podcast last weekend. Who we think, we who we who think or I think, I always say we on this podcast. It's just me out here. I'm just the, the host of Locked on Back, just me, Miller Thomas. So I thought it should have been Geraldo Perdomo replacing Nick Ahmed. Well, we got a couple more injuries for opening day, which is never fun. Looks like Jordan Luplo is not going to be there. And doesn't look like Josh Rojas is going to be there either. Jordan Luplo, of course, traded from the Tampa Bay Rays right at the start or right before the lockout, right at the start of the offseason. And Jordan Luplo was acquired to help balance out the lineup full of lefties as a right-handed batter. He's basically a platoon guy throughout the majority of his career, but he's damn good at doing his job. But it looks like he's going to miss opening day. So who is actually going to replace Saluplo? Well, I think we'll probably just get more Paven Smith. He'll probably get a larger role. And then we'll probably see some Jake McCarthy as well, mixing in, giving some Paven Smith some time off when he needs it. They're both lefties. So it's not really like he's going to be there when the lefties on the mound get, give Jake McCarthy more opportunities. No, they're probably, he'll probably just spell Paven Smith when Tory Lovello feels like it's time to give Paven Smith a rest, or maybe he does it with David Peralta. Uh, it really doesn't matter since they're all going to be lefties in the outfield as uh, they're all going to be lefties in the outfield anyway it doesn't really matter who Jake McCarthy spells for but he'll probably be the fourth outfielder during this time when Jordan Luplo is out but this could be a huge huge opportunity for one man who is not currently on the roster that is Alec Thomas because he was, of course, the minor league position player of the year for the D-backs last season, and he was called or he was sent back down to the minors after spring training, and he was only, I think, 6-for-27 during spring training, so he was all right, but he did look pretty good and pretty comfortable out there. But if Paven Smith, someone like him, struggles either offensively and or defensively to start the year, or maybe it's a combination of Paven Smith and Jake McCarthy, if they can't get it done either at the plate or in the outfield and then On the flip side, if Alec Thomas is also crushing it on the minor league level, making great defensive plays, we could see Thomas get called up to the major league level sooner rather than later. It's not like Paven Smith is oozing with talent and he's just a huge difference maker and needle mover for the D-backs. I'm pretty sure the D-backs are looking at Paven Smith and say, hey, this season doesn't really work out for the guy. Then I don't think he's really going to be in our future long term. Jake McCarthy, we'll see. He hasn't really got much opportunity on the MLB level, so he might Have a longer leash than Pavin Smith, but this is probably the make or break season for Pavin Smith because we do have a bunch of young outfielders coming up pretty soon with Alec Thomas and then Corbin Carroll right after him. So if Pavin Smith does not seize an opportunity this year, expect Alec Thomas to probably get some run, especially too if the D-backs are struggling. This is someone that could have a huge role in the second half of the season. 313 average and 950 OPS in the minors last year for Alec Thomas. Watch out for him because he's definitely coming for somebody's job. And then Josh Rojas has to be probably the most disappointing injury we've heard who's going to miss opening day because Josh Rojas, Toy Lavello has said it's going to be weeks, not days. So Josh Rojas might do a little stint on the injury list. We'll see. Um, Both him and Nick Ahmed, so basically the left side of our infield, gone to injury. That's very sad to see, but who could be replacing Josh Rojas at third base? Well, it's either going to be Drew Ellis or Jake Hager and they're both righties so they at least will help balance out the lineup for Hager he's like 29 years old and he just he's never been good anywhere in his major league career so I don't even understand why the D-backs would go with him as an option um his minor league numbers aren't good his major league numbers aren't good I'm just off Hager he could be the backup if he wants but I think the starting third baseman for 2022 has to be Drew Ellis if there's no Josh Rojas there because Ellis, only 26 years old, so a lot of these guys, I can at least convince myself that there's some untapped potential or ceiling with Drew Ellis that we haven't really seen yet, and he's also coming off the best season of his career in the minor leagues, last season at AAA, Drew Ellis. OPS, 20 home runs in 81 games. He looked really good and really comfortable at the plate. He did have a cup of coffee on the Major League level with the D-backs last season, and he didn't do much. Nine hits in 69 at-bats. I'm going to stay away from any 69 jokes right there, but at least he got a taste of uh, of Major League playing time last season, and at least he really balled out on the minor league level. So I feel like Drew Ellis should be the man to win the third base job with Josh Rojas. Out, but Toy Lavello has talked about defense will be the key to winning the third base job. So hopefully, Drew Ellis can play better defense than Jake Hager because he's definitely he's definitely a better offensive player. Then the last thing I want to talk about before we get into our Sully Baseball conversation about the NL West, I want to talk about Merrill Kelly because the D-backs not only locked up Ketel Marte this offseason, they also locked up Arguably, not even arguably, they are—they locked up their best pitcher after Zach Gallen in Merrill Kelly, and it was a fantastic deal. Merrill Kelly receives a one million dollars signing bonus, and then he will earn eight million dollars in 2023 and eight million dollars in 2024 with a seven million dollar club option in 2025 now merrill kelly is a little bit older i believe he's 33 years old but he is also someone only in his fourth year major league baseball he came over from the korean league i believed and the d-backs have been very in love with merrill kelly ever since they signed him because why shouldn't they this has been basically a, a gem was it undiscovered gem, not uncut gem, a, a a diamond in the rough? That's what they found. The D backs found a diamond in the rough with Merrill Kelly. He's no ace or anything like that, but. Over 427 innings with the D backs. He's posted a 427 ERA, a 20% strikeout rate, a 6.6 walk rate, and a 43% grounder rate. That those are really solid numbers. Those are the numbers that a number three or a number four starter should have. And if you look at that 2020 season before the thoracic outlet surgery, Miro Kelly was a beast. He was dominating. He was not putting guys on bases. He was not walking dudes. He's not a big strikeout artist, but he did a great job at preventing damage and not allowing runs to be scored. Then he had the surgery and then he comes back in 2021 and it was just great to see him be healthy and he really struggled to start the year, but I think around June is where Merrill Kelly start to get back into a groove and start to pick things up a little bit. I wonder what his ERA was like the last three months of the season. feel like it was probably in the low fours, maybe even high three. So I think this is going to be a very good season for Merrill Kelly. I think he should be the opening day starter if Zach Allen is dealing with shoulder issues and you don't think he can be uh, their opening day. It should be Merrill Kelly over and Bumgarner because I think we're low-key going to get the 2020 Merrill Kelly back. I think Merrill Kelly is going to pitch to like a 3-4, three, 3-5 three, ERA, a walk rate, you know, around two walks per nine innings, not allow a lot of home runs, probably not striking out a ton of folks either, but just ground balls, not putting guys on bases and not allowing earned runs, and a lot of innings pitched. So I think Merrill Kelly is going to be easily, I don't even think it's a hot take. I don't think it's a crazy take at all. I think everyone actually actually. actually agrees with me. Merrill Kelly is easily the second best pitcher in the rotation. And I think he will actually have a pretty damn good season. Not no Cy Young candidate or anything like that, but a 3-5 ERA where you feel like, damn, he's a legit number two or number three starter. And maybe he's a trade piece at the deadline if the D-back just want to get wacky and add some prospects. But I think they're more inclined to keep Merrill Kelly and add him to a rotation that they are trying to rebuild and retool. Now we'll talk with uh, we'll talk with Paul Francis Sullivan of Lockdown M L B. Please call him Sully. About the NL West, but first, I wanna to talk to you guys about Built Bar because this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. And have you tried the Puffs? They are brand new to Built Bar because they are fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they are a protein bar that's also covered in 100% chocolate, real chocolate that is, like all Built Bars. And like all Built Bars, it's soft and it's easy to chew. And the reason why I love built Bars, just like how I love the Puffs, is that I think that I'm eating a candy bar. I think that I'm eating some unhealthy treat or something like that. But in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar, low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. Guess what? If you want your own built Bar, just go to built.com. use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com.
1: The season is starting in just a couple of days, and pretty soon all these predictions will be just silly things we said before the games began. But that's not going to stop us from doing another Locked On crossover. This is your pal Sully with your new pal Miller Thomas. Let's get the show on the road. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to the Locked On MLB crossover with Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call me Sully. The other host is right over there. That's Millard Thomas. You can call him Sully. And we are—that's the new policy here in the Lockdown Com- Podcast Network. We're all called Sully. We're all Sully landing. The, we are all landing that plane because the goose got in the engine. Hey, you can follow us at Lockdown M O B Pod. Same handle for Instagram. You can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast and Instagram. Hey, Miller Thomas, where can people follow you?
0: Hey, it's Sully Thomas actually at Creator Thomas 24 for my personal account, or just look up Lock9 Dyingbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle.
1: And thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available for free in all your podcasting catchers. Hey, the other day we did our predictions for the Yeah, American that was a League. long time ago. I know we decided to wear the same things today. And your beard has not grown an inch, and that's interesting. But uh, the fact of the matter is I was very cowardly in my predictions. I predicted the Toronto Blue Jays were going to win the American League pennant, but I was also put my neck on the line because I said both the Red Sox and the Yankees were missing the playoffs all and Minnesota was going to take that final wildcard spot, joining Houston and Tampa Bay as the wildcard teams. My division winners were also the White Sox and Seattle. Um, but we talked a great deal the other day about the fact that the American League is parody filled. You could have a wide array of teams that have a legitimate shot of making the postseason, which brings us to the National League, which uh, is not the case. Not the case. There's only one division where I think each of the teams have at least an outside chance of making the postseason, but. You have some, uh, you have at least two divisions where there are haves and have nots, and by ha- that I mean have a shot and have no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to expect us to really break down the Pirates or the Reds or the Rockies for that matter, um, Ooh, you're, listening, oh. you're listening to the wrong podcast today. Um, I will mention the Rockies because they did have an interesting postseason, but. We're really breaking down the big-time contenders here. So, Miller, we're just going to start with the NL West, which is the home of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, How many games are you picking the Diamondbacks to win the division, and will they win 110?
0: Yeah, I think they're winning 115 this year in the World Series. Well, that's not going to happen, but I love the shots that you take at Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies because he's convinced that the Rockies are going to finish with a better record than the D-backs. Crazy. He's delusional, just like the Rockies owner, Dick Monfort, who says their team is ready to win the World Series. All Rockies fans are crazy because the D-backs are going to win around 70 games this season and finish fourth in the NL West. That is my hot take prediction because I look at the NL West. The Dodgers, uh, they had a good offseason because they, of course, got uh, Craig Kimbrell. I thought that was a huge move for them because before that move, I was like, eh, they might have actually lost more talent than what they brought in with Corey Seager and Max Scherzer leaving. But getting Craig uh, Craig Kimbrell was a huge addition to that team. The Padres, all of a sudden, big offseason winners with a last-minute deal to get Sean Manaya right before the start of the season, adding Luke Voigt. They still got to get Eric Hosmer off that team because now you have all those rumors floating around and the almost trade that went down. Hosmer's not going to be a happy camper, so you probably got to move him. And then the Giants should be competitive once again. Brought in Alex Cobb, Carlos Rondon. They did lose Gosman. They did lose Chris Bryant, and they lost the heartbeat of their team in Buster Posey. But I still think they're going to be a good team once again. They're like the Tampa Bay Rays. They're a machine. They just know how to produce good players. So this is gonna be the Dodgers division once again to lose with all the talent they have on paper but watch out for the Padres and Giants to be right there in the mix for one of those wild card spots
1: I mean last year the Giants became the greatest poster child for how analytics works well in the regular season because if you looked at the parts the individual parts of that team that was not a 107 win team no I don't know how they did that I mean, the the Dodgers won a hundred and six games, and had to play a wild card game yeah. where it was tied in the ninth. They, they had
0: like what twenty more wins than the team they were playing in the wild. Card yeah, game. it was
1: ridiculous. And by the and was a a by the way an absolute uh, demonstrated why I, I want to just get rid of the divisions if we if we're having. The, the playoffs are designed that the two best – there's no way that the two best teams in baseball can play each other for the pennant. There's something mm-hmm. wrong with the with the system for that. But anyway, I digress on that. Uh, I don't see the San Francisco Giants winning 107 games again. But I do th- – and, and we are going to find – we talked yesterday about we're going to find out what Carlos Correa meant to that Astros team. Well, now we're going to really find out what Buster Posey means. To this yeah. Giants squad. Uh, but that being said, I do think the Giants are a 90-win team. You know, we're going to win 90-some-odd games. Um, Rodon is going to be interesting because he was so good the first half of last season and then was just not a really a factor the second half with his injuries when he was playing for Chicago. Uh, the pitchers tend to find the fountain of youth in McCovey Cove. Uh, it's a great pitcher's ballpark. And I think you see like like what happened with fani last year, and with Gosman for that matter. Um, I think the Giants have a lot of depth on that team. They're better than some of their parts, and they they find ways to scratch out five or six runs, which is enough to win. I think, uh, and I I am gonna just early on just say that I think they're going to be. Um, one of the wild card teams. I don't see you going from 107 wins to 83. You know, I mean, I don't see them falling so badly. And also, there are so few fringe teams in the National League that are even worth mentioning. That I think one of those wild cards is going to go to San Francisco. Los Angeles is going to win that division. They have. I to. mean, barring an I mean, like I, I say, that. I mean, last year, 106 wins is good enough to win any other division. That's an extraordinary year. If you're the defending World Series champs and you go out and you win 106 ballgames the next year, that's the best defense of a World Series, I believe, in the history of baseball, and it got them second place. Um, I, I think losing Scherzer is bad. I thought he he was so great from down the stretch, uh, but that trade was so brilliant because it brought in Trey Turner that allowed yeah. them to deal with the Corey Seeger loss, adding Freddie Freeman to this lineup, gave them the flexibility to trade Pollock. And with that, they were able to – build. I'm, look, at, I had a big thing to talk about Kimbrell the other day that he was – had he went on a five- or six-year period where he was as won great as yeah, of all the time greatest for that ever. period of time. And then really since the Red Sox World Series win, actually since that postseason, he was terrible in that postseason. And since then, he's had a good half season with the Cubs and had, was terrible the first two years with the Cubs and was horrible with the White Sox. When closers flame out, it's, it, they don't usually bounce back. But I do think he's worth the flyer to improve their bullpen. I think they gave up on Kenley Jansen at the right time. <laughs> I, I mean, again, he's been there for a long time. Lost a bunch of postseason games for them. And, uh, you know, there's a reason they turn to other people to clinch certain postseason series in their history. But that being said, uh, I think they have the rotation, especially if Kershaw can come back in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, Bueller is there. You know, they have all these young pitchers on there. Their lineup with Freeman uh, to back everyone up is unbelievable. I think this is a 100 win team easily and um, and should be the favorite. In fact, I think when we make our picks, we, we probably shouldn't be allowed to pick the Dodgers. It has to be anyone. Who, who do you have going other than the Dodgers? Um, Yeah.
0: yeah, Conversations about the Dodgers are pretty boring because there's really not much to say about them.
1: They're, they're loaded
0: at every position. There's really not much of a minutia discussion you can have about the Dodgers. Really the most interesting team to me, probably in the division is the San Diego Padres Mm -hmm. because we knew they flamed down the second half. We've all talked about their collapse. We did our NL West round table on Friday. We all gave Javier a lot of crap about the Padres second half collapse. So They're going to be an interesting team to watch. They brought in your guy, Bob Melvin, to be the new manager of that team. So hopefully he can maximize the talent. I think their rotation is still super talented. A lot of those guys had really down seasons last year, but you still got Snell, you Darvish, Clevenger, Musgrove. We now got Sean Like That is a very talented rotation. That lineup is going to have a lot of talent as well with the Machados. Obviously, Tatis might not be there for what? three to four months. Javier doesn't even seem too confident that he might come back this season. So, that's a very interesting team to keep their, to keep our eyes on. Uh, but you never know, they still got to trade Eric Cosmer and they still have A.J. Preller, who has been super aggressive as a GM. So they could always go out there and make a move and add a, a bat to their lineup, like the Dodgers, who have so many pieces like a Gavin Lux and Max Muncie's that they could always trade if they feel like they need another starter in their rotation as well. So I think the NL West has a lot of teams like the Padres and Dodgers who you have to watch out for at the deadline to be buyers because they just have pieces that they can move.
1: Yeah. And by the way, as a Diamondback fan, you may remember the fact that when Bob Melvin was the manager of the D-backs in 2007, they got all the way to the National Championship Series, and that team had a negative run differential that year and still got them to 90 wins. He got a bunch of no-name teams who are constantly replacing their parts. In Oakland to the postseason year in and year out. I think it's very intriguing to see what Melvin can do with a team that's willing to spend money. We live in a world where San Diego is a team where people are willing to spend money, but hey, good for them. Uh, Speaking of spending money, the Rockies had a surreal postseason where they opened up the bank and gave one of the richest contracts of the postseason, not to their own Trevor Story, which mm-hmm. I could understand saying, Hey, you developed us, you're gonna be part of our team, we're gonna to try to build something eventually, and you'll be part of it. But no. to Chris Bryant, who's on the wrong side of 30 and has already won a World Series and while is still a talented player, um signed so way too long a contract good for him. Good for Chris Bryant. Yeah, yeah, you know, pay that man. He should have been a cub for life. He's like, well, if I'm not a cup for life, I'm going to take the richest contract I get to hit my hands on. I have no, I have no, uh, I have no issue with Chris Bryant. I just don't understand moves when you're when you're not there. Why you spend money, and then you have the Diamondbacks. Hey. Make yeah, oh good. yeah. Uh, Make yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna give a whole tangent about the D backs and nope. what they were doing this offseason. Make us feel good. I thought you were having some thoughts. Uh, you know, the D backs. They traded for Jordan Luplo. He's gonna miss the start of the season, so that's not that's not a great start. Josh Rojas. Yeah, he's gonna miss the start of the season. Zach Allen. He's dealing with some shoulder issues. So we're coming into the season not too hot, but hey, we still added Ian Kennedy. We added Mark the Shark and The back end of the bullpen is gonna be better. Dalton Varsho is gonna be an everyday player in center field. Seth Beers going to get some major playing time at the DH position hopefully this year so I think the offense is going to be greatly improved David Peralta looks like a new man coming out the offseason his body looks slimmer he's starting to hit for power at least in spring training so hopefully that can carry over we just gave Merrill Kelly an extension he looks like he's back to being the 2020 Merrill Kelly we'll see what Madison Bumgarner I got no hope for that guy so I I really don't know what to say about him but overall I think this team should improve by like 15 to 20 wins and that sounds crazy but if the D-backs win an extra 20 games. That's only 72 wins from the 52 that they won last year. So I think they're going to have one of the biggest swings in baseball in terms of, uh, in terms of adding wins to the previous year's record. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Um, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. It is opening day tomorrow. I am absolutely so excited. I will have a pod dropping, breaking down the rest of the NL divisions and giving our predictions with Sully on the MVP Cy Young and World Series predictions so it's going to be a jam-packed pod as always tomorrow don't forget to make Sully Baseball your second listen of the day because I am very thankful that you make Lacton Dimebacks your first listen of the day but go make Sully Baseball Locked on MLB your second listen of the day, or go make Locked on MLB Prospects your second li- listen of the day with Prospects host Lindsey Crosby because he's phenomenal as well. Both guys are walking baseball encyclopedias, so go check out both their pods, Locked on MLB and Locked on MLB Prospects. And of course, as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!